0: Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, So uh, announcements we've been intending to make and keep forgetting um, is uh, in Elgin uh, at the uh, Christian Life Center. Um, Randy Ruiz, he was the speaker at the men's camp that we went to. And uh, he's a very anointed man of God. I would encourage I'd more than encourage you to go to. If you want a touch of God on your life, this man has got an anointing of God on his life. And uh, we went away very blessed. There's a lot that I couldn't I, I couldn't put in words for you, but I can guarantee you that it's kind of like with Solomon when the Queen of Sheba, uh, sorry, the Queen of Sheba came to visit. She said the half was not told to me, and I could tell you that there's nothing I could say here that would give you the impression until you went to see him, and you would say the same thing. So on June 11th and uh, June 12th, he's going to be ministering there at the Christian Life Center in Elgin, Oregon. If you need more details, um, uh, can you see my wife about it? Um, she's... uh the June 11th. Is today June 11th? Yes. Um, so... Uh, so we missed, let's see, 6, 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. So you can make the 6 p.m. tonight if you want to. And tomorrow, the oh, the 12th and the 13th um, will be at 6 p.m. So you can make it the next two days as well. So any one of those, I know that you don't want to miss it. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it. So and share and, and uh, encourage somebody else, if you want, she can pass the information on to you. Uh, go ahead, Amy. The 11th, 12th, and 13th, it looks like. Um, yeah, because we missed the one for this morning. I guess that's probably this morning's uh, sermon. Randy Ruiz? Ruiz? R-U-I-Z? You can learn more about Reverend Randy at randiruizministries.com. Reese, okay. It looks like Ruiz, but I guess it's Reese. Okay. Thank you guys for your help out there. You know your pastor needs help at times, amen? And, and hey, Moses had Aaron and her lifting up his arms when it was time for battle. Sometimes God uses the minister in a special way and it's like you got to lift his arms so God can do his work. So thank you for lifting my arms and being a part of what God's doing. Thank you also this week for those of you who had been staying in and fervently praying for me while I'd been away. Um, I can guarantee you that the Lord has done some remarkable things, and how many of you have been out fasting and prayer? How many of you have experienced what fasting and prayer can be? Amen. I think that's a really important part of our life. I want to encourage you to do so. If the Lord is ministering to your heart in any way, I want to encourage you, if you can, health would would permit you to do so, to spend some time in fasting and in prayer. Uh, Even Jesus said himself that um, this kind does not come out but by fasting and prayer. This community needs us praying. And this message this morning, I hope will encourage, I hope will inspire you uh, on another level to continue to pray. I think you might wonder sometimes with me, Pastor, why is this such an important part? What, why do you continue to specify this much? And I'll tell you a couple things. Number one, for me personally, I feel like the closer I get to God in prayer, the further I feel like or the more I need to pray. It doesn't make me feel like I've accomplished or I've gotten there. Everything else in life, if you've made the goal or if you reached the goal or if you broke the record, you feel like that's the end goal, you know, that we were achieving something, we're getting there, and we're looking for that climax point. But I feel like the closer or the more we achieve in prayer or the, in our relationship with God, the more we feel like we need to go, like we haven't even gotten even started yet. And so I want to encourage prayer in this church. I want to encourage it on the and that's the other level is because I see so many that are giving in to seducing spirits and in, in doctrines of demons and struggling desperately with areas in their life. And simply because Jesus has the answer, but as the old song says, um, what needless pains we bear and what peace we often forfeit because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And so we're seeing people bearing under loads, and here's what I'm realizing. Jesus lifts a load. If you have a load, or you know somebody has a load today, somebody that's on your heart, you're like, I can see them going through something, and they're trying everything but Jesus. And when they try Jesus, they try and put Jesus on like a religion. They try and put Jesus on like some kind of formula. They try and get Jesus in their life like some kind of an you know, uh, end goal. And in, in, in just I, I just got to get Jesus in, added to all of the other things in my life. And Jesus really in the end, He's the everything. Jesus made the statement, He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The moment you come into my presence, all of those things are present with me. The moment you step into the atmosphere in which I'm in, you receive all of that, You're not looking for that. That's not what you need. You need me. And then you get all of that with me. See, people are missing Jesus and they're trying to get what Jesus has for them. And when we get Jesus, we have what Jesus has for us. I want to just encourage you in Isaiah 40. Let's go there to chapter 40. And I want to read a few verses just to give you the context of this. Verse 31 is where we'll be. I want to read verse 31, but then I want to go back to Verse one and a few others here. Yes, Isaiah forty, verse thirty-one. I think Isaac, you can get that up there on the screen. So uh, I don't know why it says Isaiah forty-five-six. Uh, you might see if you can get it at the beginning there. Is there, Isaac? Where are you at? That's not where we want to be. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was, So you're on the wrong program there somehow. Well, we'll just lead you through it, rather you get the right... Uh, look through it there and see if you can see Isaiah. Now, let me double-check something real quick. This will help. Yeah, I don't think you're going to... I don't know why you're on that one. Okay, well, amen. Praise the Lord. You're still going to get the sermon, so God's good. Isaiah 40, verse 31. And but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now how many of you know when you're out there fasting and praying that you need this verse? (laughs) Isaiah 40, verse 31. So let's look here in the first few verses here. In Isaiah 40, just chapter 40, verse 1, it says, Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her, that her warfare is ended and her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The voice said, cry out, and he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is its grass, and all of its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fadeth because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people is as grass. If you continue to read through this chapter, you will see that there's this, the context seems to be that Israel is being called out of captivity, and these were being the last days of her refining. The last days of the refining of what captivity meant. and You have to understand the people of God came into captivity because they began to dismiss the importance and the necessity of God in their life. And they just pretty much decided that instead of worshiping the Lord, that either idolatry or some other form of lifestyle was going to be the way that they were going to live. And they connected and committed themselves to something outside of God. And because of that, they hardened their hearts to the counsel of God and they became more and more um, inoculated to the Word of God instead of what God wanted. and So because of that, we're seeing now they're coming out of this time of captivity, this time of pain and suffering within their life. And this is where we find God saying, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. There is a point even in these verses that they, that they were complaining that God wasn't going to be their one to heal them, and yet He was. So I want to share a few things with you. Israel was being called out of captivity and it was the last days of her refining. All our efforts to live a holy life are in vain. But the strength that God gives as we wait on Him is more than sufficient. See, we don't need programs. We don't need another, like, here's what you do, 10-step program to help us figure out That what we need is the God who created us to speak and minister His life back to us. We need to be connected to the One who gave us the breath of life. And outside of that connection, I don't give a care how hard you try. You're not going to find life in it. You might find some kind of weird peace. You might find some kind of weird tranquility in it. But you'll never find the life, not the kind that Jesus was talking about, when He says, in me you'll find life. You know, we have the title for our our church and this ministry is Abundant Life. But I'm going to tell you the, the title of the church. Coming to the church doesn't give you life. But finding the Jesus that's in the church does. I love the amens out there. See, the upper room proved what God can do when we tarry. See, all He was waiting for is He called for a people to wait. And you know, it's interesting because that doesn't mean you get a push one minute on the microwave of heaven and say, I'm gonna, at the end of and one minute, I'm gonna get the outpouring of God in my life. Jesus made the statement to his disciples He said, tarry until. All you have to do is know this. Please hear the preacher this morning. God wants his best for your life. God wants you to bathe in his will. God wants you to know exactly what he created you for. And he doesn't want you sidetracked, he doesn't want you going anywhere else. He doesn't want you walking down the path of where you have been and making that the reason why God can't take you where He intended for you to be. He wants you where He intended for you to be. And because of that, if you'll just tarry, if you'll just wait, if you'll just take some time with God, He will prove Himself faithful, guaranteed. We don't get very many guarantees. We get a lot of warranties out there, but we don't get very many guarantees out there. Because they can't guarantee something because they know that it's going to break down. They know something's going to take its place. But Jesus gives us guarantees. Hallelujah for that. You know, even if we did have the words up there, you wouldn't have seen that written down. Amen. Idolatry begins when we quit praying. Did you hear that? Idolatry... Begins when we quit praying. You're like idolatry is when we get some kind of like image, I don't know, plastic, metal, wood, whatever, and we begin to set it down in our room and then we worship it. And there was a time where that was true. But idolatry in this day and an age is anything basically that's taken the place of God in your life. Because whether you realize it or not, you've already committed your life and worship to it into some degree. And we pay for it, we, we give time, we, give, uh, we call the repairman to come to fix it, whatever the case is, but idolatry begins when we quit praying. That's all you need to know. When I decided that I stopped praying and I figured out some other way to fix my life or to deal with life, I started idolatry right then and there. Worldliness, remember the words in John, he says, if any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So worldliness is a matter in, in a sense of prayerlessness. Because I can tell you, you can't not pray. You can't be a prayerless soul when the love of God is inside of you. All you want to do is pray. See, prayer just becomes just a secondary piece of something that's primary in your life. It's just a natural way to go to. I want to pray because I see God in my life. I see Him in my circumstances. I see Him all around me. I don't know how I lived so long not seeing the glory of God, but now I'm getting a bigger picture of who He is, and I can't help but want to pray. There's a timelessness to prayer. There's a wonder to prayer. There's a a renewed, refreshing to prayer. There's never a climax to prayer. There's never an end to the place of prayer. And so the idea of waiting isn't something that's a Structure. Somebody says, well, what happens if I don't experience something the first day? Remember, Jesus waited four days before he raised Lazarus from the dead. All you got to know is, is that that fourth day is coming. That last hour is going to be there. Jesus is going to show up. And the rest of it, and all that time that you spent waiting for him, is going to be worth it to you. Believe me, he'll make it worth it. And we're praying that. Not only do the people here, and I'm not only just asking, I'm not even praying, that the people will hear this message, but people will never hear this message that somehow God will get His Word out to them and they will get it. Here we have the first part of this, and He says, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. And we all wonder, what does God mean behind this? And all we know is we can go back through the Word of God and we can get the meaning and we can find the definition somewhere in the Bible of this. And I believe God was reminding His people of a timeless promise. How many of you want me to preach this morning? Amen. How many of you want me to preach until the noon hour? How many of you want me to preach till evening? (laughs) There we go. I want you to turn into Isaiah chapter 32. And we're going to read, I'm sorry. uh, No, Exodus chapter 19. I'll get you there. Exodus chapter 19. Isaac, you might turn me down just a little bit there. If I get too loud for you, just let me know somehow. Just say, hey, preacher, you're a little loud right now. Exodus chapter 19, <clears throat> First, uh, verses 3 through 6. Hallelujah. I'm going to break this down with some comments in between these verses, but I want you to capture what God was saying here. <clears throat> and Moses went to God. And the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to Myself. When we hear this word, we sense that God is saying, I will provide what you need. To find your way back to me. All of your losses endured through sin and Satan will be restored in coming back to me. I will bear you up on eagle's wings, or you shall bear eagle's wings, and that will restore relationship to me. See, I don't know how you feel, but I know for me personally, Lord, I don't know what, I know there's a lot of heaven that I haven't experienced yet. I know there's a lot about the glory of God that my heart is melting down in anticipation. Somehow, God, that You would bring me forward in my finite human level and You would let me to experience You on a level that I can say it's almost like I'd never known God before. There's an omnipotence to God that's a mystery to me. And I'm always hanging on the edge wanting to know more of what am I missing? What could I have more of? And I don't want to be sidetracked by the devil. And I don't want to be sidetracked by my sin. And I don't want to be sidetracked by what's going on in my life, that I might miss something that God had for me. So there's this urging in my heart. I don't know about yours, but there's an urging in mine that says, Lord, I just want to get a little bit closer. I want to find out what, that what God has in His glory for my life. And so while I'm feeling that, I feel like there's eagle's wings that in a sense, it's like God is just doing whatever it takes in heaven to position life for the hungry heart, for the thirsty soul, for the person that says, I want God. And I'm not willing to live without him. And see, God provides thirst because thirst makes you drink more. See, when I was out fasting, the only thing I had was water. I want to tell you, that's all I had. and that was my meal, and that was my food, my meat, day and night. And I begin even that didn't satisfy me, and that's the way it should be with God. It should be and God is looking for thirst. And where there's little thirst, there's little hunger. And when there's a little hunger, there's a little bit of God for that soul. But when there's a lot of hunger, there's a lot of outpouring from Jesus. You know what I love? God likes to take the least of us. The person who has nothing to offer. They don't have money. They don't have resources. They don't have talent. They don't have notoriety. They don't have a YouTube channel. They don't have a Facebook page. They don't have anything, right? And God likes to take them and pour Himself into them. And you see a masterpiece of what God can do through somebody's life. God likes to take the most stained and vile in sin, the most corrupted in the life that they've lived, the most driven drug addict there was, and make them a brand new creation in Christ Jesus, so that He can elevate His glory and the name which is above every name. And there's something that God has to do that nothing else in this world can compare to so that we can know the sufficiency and the mightiness of God. So I'm hungry today. See, we wait, and you're only going to tarry as long as you want God. Lord, You can leave me here for a day. You can leave me here for a week. You can leave me here for a month. But I'm not leaving until I get my blessing. There's something about the words of Jacob that's clinging to the angel. It says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And not only that, but you begin to see while you're waiting on God, you begin to see how much you need Him. Oh, my brothers and sisters, you begin to realize how badly you need God. And you know that there's not a breath you take, and there's not a heartbeat in your chest unless God has given it to you, and you've been taking it for granted, and God wants you to know that. So that you'll seek Him with more fervency and greater love. Because it's intensity and it's love that gets God to touch your life. There's a woman that's reaching out. And she's looking for God to heal her 12 years of a blood disease. that she can't quench the flow of blood in her life. And all she has to do is touch Jesus. Touch Jesus. Essentially, it's like it's saying that she waited 12 years to finally get the touch of God on her life. But it was worth it. It was worth it. You look at the world around us and the children that are suffering, and you see the homes that are in darkness, and you see the men that are in alcoholism, and you're like, Lord, they just need the touch of God. And Jesus, after He's touched you, you know what He's having you wait for? He's having you wait for them. Lord, they're not praying They're not asking, they're living in misery. And God, you touched me, I'm praying that you'll touch them too. I'm reaching out to touch your garment, not to heal my blood problem, but to heal theirs. Praise you, Jesus. He's doing whatever it takes to get you back to Him. You know, there's a lot of people that are confused and saying, Where is God in all of my life? And everything that's going wrong is God's way of saying, Would you just get back to me? God's rearranging everything, and you just can't see what it's really all about. What's really going on in your life? What's going on? Now, therefore, so we're gonna to continue to read. So remember where you left off, because I'm not gonna take you, I'm not gonna tell you what verse you're left on. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice. And keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. See, he says, I bear you on eagle's wings to bring you back to me. And not only to bring you to me, but there's something that's in this. Because I'm going to make a covenant with you, and that you're going to be a special treasure to me above all people. Essentially, God was saying to his people, Come out. That were coming out of captivity, that he would return, that they would return in his favor to them, and it would not just be a rekindled love in them for him, but they would be exclusive to God's own heart. You are exclusive to God's own heart. I want you to hear something from me today, because if I don't get through this message, I want you to hear something. I don't know what might be in some of you today, I don't know if maybe somebody's saying, I don't really feel like I'm all that special. There's a lot of things that I'm going through that's bothering me. I'm not very happy. I'm depressed. I've got some other things. that people that are, if, if I don't see things in their life happen, I can't be happy. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I want you to hear from me. God views you as His treasure. And see, the problem is this. Our first struggle in life is that we believe something other than that. Because let me tell you something. You wind up on drugs. You end up in a lifestyle that's not worth living for. You end up having crisis like you've never believed in. And you end up getting there because you drove yourself there. And the reason why Was because you didn't believe you had any value to begin with. And if you want to hear me say it, outside the cross of Jesus Christ, we really didn't. But inside the cross of Jesus, we have nothing but a beautiful value. And God brings us to Himself to reveal back to us how He looks at us. And we would stop, the world would stop climbing in bed with politics that don't do anything for the world. Stop living after the blindness. And and even as a church, we'd stop living after a form. Lord, we'd stop running after men that tell us, that you got to give more money in order to get this kind of blessing and all of that? And just lead us back to the feet of Jesus? If we knew the kind of treasure we were to Him. This treasure, the Bible says, is in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of man. See, what God has placed in you, The reason why we get to share the blessing and fellowship with our sister again after a heart attack is just simply because God has put a treasure inside of her that so many of us haven't been able to glean and experience. What it means to have just how the Lord has touched her life and be able to share. You know, sometimes it's so hard to find the words to share what God has done inside of me and how wonderful it really is and what a blessing that is. But if I could just share with you that blessing and express that to you, there'd be an overflow, and the treasure of that doesn't belong to me. The treasure of that doesn't belong to you. That's the treasure for the glory of God. So we have to remember, it's not whether you know Him, but does God know you? And then let's finish the rest of these verses in uh, Exodus 19, verse 3 and 6, if you haven't gotten there yet. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And they would mount up to be fitted to their calling. Their past would not reduce them to apostasy and ruin. They would leave their captivity behind and conquer darkness. I want you to hear me today. You stop. I want you to hear. It's not not what the devil's doing. Because when you realize this, that when Jesus was resurrected, he already dealt with that problem. The devil's just trying to get in where you let him in. But you want, to, you want to hear me on this one. The resurrection sealed the deal. Yeah, we have some things that we go through in life that can create this unique interest, but we're unshakable and unmovable because of what Jesus did. And He fitted us to us, our calling. Your calling is to express to everybody else around you that the only answer for what we really need is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Our calling is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Your calling is to leave this place on Sunday afternoon, maybe evening if I don't get done until then. And your calling is to go back into the community and share the wealth of what Jesus is doing in your life with somebody else who needs it for themselves. Praise God. Praise God. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So when God said, I will, you shall mount up with wings as eagles. All of this promise that you see in Exodus was filtered into that. Do you capture that? Do you capture that it's bigger than just, just this imagery of rising up above the storm as if I've got eagles' wings? But then I'm what it really means when I'm rising above the storm is that I'm rising up with God. I'm seated with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. My life is no longer my own. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. I could speak that to those who have a pornographic addiction. I could speak that to those who have an alcohol addiction. I could speak that to those who have a religious addiction. I could speak that to anybody who's having a problem in their life, and say that Jesus, the moment you meet Him, you don't have to spend a day. You don't have to spend a week. You don't have to spend a month. You just need one moment in the presence of God, and addictions are broken. The sin struggle that you're going through is over with. Not only are you done with the sin, but the guilt of sin, the oppression of sin is over with in Jesus. You just need to meet Jesus today. You don't need to meet the religious Jesus that you find in churches. You need to find the Jesus that has been there and died for your soul and was resurrected for you. Was resurrected for you. We need the Jesus that wants to take us to the next step of glory. Brothers and sisters, how many of us know that we haven't arrived yet? We haven't got to the place that God's done everything He wants to do in His life for us. So I'm looking for the next thing that Jesus wants to do. He wants to transform my heart. Hallelujah. Well, I just got you through the first part of the verse, but let's go a little bit further. How many of you want to go a little bit further or you want to stop there? Amen. Amen. You're afraid to say, no, preacher, we're not going to go any further. (laughs) So he says, you shall mount up with wings as eagles. And he says, you shall run and not be weary. I don't think of eagles as running. I think of them as flying. So there's something more here that we're still yet to capture. But notice it says, run and not weary. How many of you have ever run and not gotten tired from running? And yet this is what God is saying. You shall run and not grow weary. Again, I want you to take you in a place of the Word of God to get a bigger picture of what we got. In other words, you will not be depleted of power. Jesus said to His disciples, tarry here until you are endued with power on high. Do you believe that promise is for you? Do you believe that promise is for you? Praise God. I, I didn't hear enough amens out there. I heard one over here. Amen. Do you believe it? Was it just to them or was it for us? And you will not be depleted of power. And Jesus was saying, I'm going to give you power that you will not be depleted. There's not anything in the world that's going to drag you down. I don't know what your prayer life looks like. I don't know what your love life to Jesus looks like. But Jesus was saying virtually here that you're going to get power. that's not going to deplete you of a love to continue to follow after me. And says, Behold, a king will reign. I want to oh, go, go to Isaiah 32. I might as well take you to the verse, right? Let's get you there. Isaiah 32, 1 through 4. Isaiah 32, 1 through 4. You will not be depleted of power. You know, when, when Peter said, I don't have silver and gold, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus. He was speaking from this idea. I'm not being depleted from power. They kept running and they weren't growing weary. Behold, a king will reign in righteousness. And princes will rule with justice. A man will be a hiding place from the wind and a cover from the tempest. As rivers of water in a dry place. As a shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Listen to this. The eyes of those who see will not be dim. And the ears of those who hear will listen. And all the heart of the rash will understand knowledge. And the tongue of the stammerers will be ready to speak plainly. See, the land is ridden of weariness. And essentially God was saying, When you seek me with all your heart, I will restore all things as they were intended to be and you will be preserved from weariness. God restores, and that preserves us from weariness. Why are you weary? Why are we weary right now? Why are we getting to the place where life is getting us down? Is because we're needing the fulfillment of this promise in our life. And so God wants to restore everything that is it's intended to be. See, if you were living in a sense, you're like, everything's the way it's supposed to be. Everything right now my family, my life, where it's supposed to be. Then I wouldn't be weary. But Jesus delivers a promise. And and while I was out there praying, this scripture caught my attention. And He says, I speak things before they come to be. See, the weariness is as you're waiting for it to see it. And Jesus is reducing weariness when we believe it. When we believe it. Jesus said, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. My power be released to your dependence on me. You will not know what it means to be hopeless or in despair. Yes, momentary despair, but not lasting despair. Not life of despair. And so if we continue to read on as rivers of water. So just before we got to that part, as rivers of water in a dry place. You shall not know hopelessness, despair. What did he say in a dry place? How many of you think of of there being a river in a desert and God saying in the desert of life in the desert of what's been in your life? God commands rivers in your life. How many of you'd like a river in the desert of your life? You want a river in the desert time when it's the dry season of life. Lord, I want a river in the midst of that. Sometimes God leaves us in dry places because I think it's a pronouncement to the devil of how good God is in your life. Everything looks dry and yet. We see trees and blossoms and we see life all around you. And yet everything else on the outside of that is just dryness and barrenness. And God is doing something wonderful there. Hear the prophet Isaiah when he says in Isaiah chapter 50 verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. That I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. <clears throat> I want, Did you capture that? That God has given me the tongue of the learned to speak a word in season to him who is weary. See, God's bigger picture isn't just to get you out of it. God's bigger picture is to take somebody else out of it and use you in the process of that. See, there's a lot of weary people out there. Everywhere we turn, there's a weariness. There's a struggle. There's a fatigue in life, and you know there's there's some verses in the Bible, and this is why the Bible is so important because there's some verses in the Bible just meant for the weary, and so some of us maybe it's that, that weeping, and it says weeping endures for a night, and you're just in that season where you're just crying out to God for something, in desperate pleading for the Lord in some way, and you're wanting to see a miracle in some fashion, and you're weeping and praying, oh God's hearing you. God is hearing those prayers. God is lifting you up. And He wants you to continue to pray aggressively to Him. But as you do, it says, weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Joy in the morning. Maybe not at night, but joy comes in the morning. Lastly, they shall walk and not faint. Waiting is a spiritual form of walking. I don't know if you guys realize that, but waiting is a form of spiritual walking. God is securing for His people in Christ an unbending hope. Listen to that. You're going to walk and not faint. There's an unbending hope there. In Psalm 138, verses 6-8. So go ahead and turn there. And we're going to end our sermon very slowly there. Because I want to encourage you to seek the Lord this Perhaps this afternoon. Yeah, this afternoon. Um, Psalm 138, verses 6 through 8. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Psalm 138, verses 6 through 8. It says this, Though the Lord is on high, yet He regards the lowly. How many of you are comforted by that thought this morning? The Lord regards the lowly. That that fits for me. Our God has high regard for those who do not make much of themselves. Who do not make much of themselves. God has high regard for that. There's so many promises in the Bible for the lowly, for the humble. God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Let's continue to read on. But the proud He knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, hear that word? Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. When one walks with God, he can walk in the midst of trouble and not be fatigued by the darkness around him. Did you ever wonder why Noah retained faithfulness? When it says every imagination in the heart of man was continually wicked. Some of you need to hear that right now. Some of you are in an environment that just feels just like that. It's incredible the stress that you're going through because of, and, and, and even in that it, that, it says of Lot, it says that he, he was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, the Sodom and Gomorrah's wicked. And I hear people talking about how dark the world is. But I want you to stop talking about how dark the world and how light Jesus is. Let's get back to the reality piece here and how faithful Jesus is. And when, so when we, when we see this here, that we can walk through darkness and not be fatigued by it. It doesn't mean you're not crying out. It doesn't mean you're not pleading with God and saying, Lord, I'm not at rest that darkness is what it is. But I am not brought down by it. Remember, I told you that when we pray that God would deliver us from evil, that doesn't mean that God delivers us out of the atmosphere of evil, that in the atmosphere of evil, God keeps you from being perverted by evil. And so that's what the promise of God is. But I want to go more than just not be perverted by evil. I want to have the standard to be able to say, I'm not on the defensive here. I'm not on the defensive with on the, on what the devil is doing in the world. I'm on the offensive because Jesus says, Behold, I give you power to trade upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. I gave you power in the name of Jesus to secure some authority in it. So then this is the encouragement for those of you who are thinking about, you know what, I'm going to go fast and pray. I'm going to go spend some time with Jesus so He can secure the reality of these promises in my life too. See, this is the only thing is, is our flesh veils the enormity of what God reveals. That's why God breaks us down first. Because there's something in the flesh that doesn't capture God until it's broken down first. But there's also something that's also a powerful sweet release. Because God doesn't release things in the strength of our finite humanity. He releases things in the weakness of our finite humanity. So when you find yourself getting weaker and weaker, not physically weaker, but more humble, more spiritually humble before God. You're not so quickly stirred to anger and fuming at other people because of what's going on in your life. And you learn to get fixed on the humility of Jesus Christ. I think that's what Paul meant, that his strength is made perfect in my weakness. I'm not confident in myself. I don't trust that when James gets up here to preach, Or when I get to pray that I've got the words to pray and I've got it all figured out. I don't feel that way. But I feel like God's going to animate me in the moment. I feel like God wants to animate you in the moment. I don't feel like God's going to get you in that moment. You're like, I don't know what else to do. But God's going to animate and bring things to light in life. See, some of the promises of God are going to only make a difference, are going to only make sense when you get in the atmosphere where the promise is supposed to be the most important. When I'm dry, I need the promise that says He's going to make me wet. Right? When I'm in the dry time and when I'm in the desert moment, I need the promise that says He's going to replenish my soul. As the children of God wait on Him, He takes the charge. Oh, I want to lastly, the Lord will perfect. So we want to finish these last in verse 8. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. As the children of God wait on Him, He takes the charge over their lives. We will learn His will by waiting. We will learn His will by waiting. See, the world is rushing. The church is waiting. The world is rushing. You know, because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Right now, all of us know this community desperately needs Jesus. There's no other way that we can cancel sin in anybody's life except through the sacrifice of Jesus and faith in His blood. There's no other way. But when I say that, I can wait to any amount of time if I know that at the end of that wait, God's going to make sure it gets done. See, the world is rushing because it feels like we don't have enough time to capture so many souls that are out there. The church is waiting because all we know is that if we see another move of God like we did on Pentecost when in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit came, in one moment God can sweep over this community and bring souls in in a second. We've heard of revivals. I hope that you've read of them. Where revivals happened because the people of God were praying, because the people of God were waiting. That's all they were doing. They were waiting, but they were waiting with intensity. They were waiting with fervency. They were waiting on the that they were waiting that they were not willing to go without the, the, the promises of God being fulfilled. And they continued to pray endlessly until God did. And here's the thing: when God did it, it all came together. And so I want to encourage my congregation. I want to encourage our church today, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do not needlessly bear things in pain that you don't have to when God wants to just take it under His wings and bring you in. Bring you in and revive you. See, Jesus revives us before He revives anybody else. You may be complaining of your husband this morning or you may be complaining about your wife this morning and you better just shut up and you better just give it up to God and you better just let the Lord in your life and say, Jesus, it's all about you right now. And God, I'm the first one you need to deal with in my life. Because Jesus, if there's anybody that's got problems until you get them all out of my life, I might as well quit worrying about somebody else. You might as well quit talking about your kids this morning. Right? You might as well talk, stop talking about your boss this morning and just talk about Jesus this morning. Because He's the one that heals the deepest wounds. And most of the reason we're talking about them is because we're really locked up in unbelief and we're not letting the Lord in. We're not letting the Lord in. We need to carry our griefs quickly to the cross and let Him have His way. You know, brothers and sisters, I'm convinced today, if you believe what I just preached to you, if I believe what I just preached, if we believe it, there is nothing stopping us today from praying for this community that God would touch this community. That God would touch the people. He would touch us in this place, but God will move on this community. Because they need it today. Will you wait with me? Will you pray with me? Will you, will you begin and, and continue this walk with me? I want to do it with you. I want to do it with you. Are you encouraged this morning? Yes. Okay. Well, let's pray. I want to give you and invite you here in a moment to come to the altar. After I pray, I'm going to have the worship team come up. If you're on the worship team and you feel the Holy Spirit calling you to the altar, then you just come to the altar. And if we need to, we're just going to pray some songs back there. We're not It's not bound to the worship team. You guys know that, don't you? We love you guys. We're so grateful you lead us in worship. But we know that sometimes you need that time before the Lord as well. Thank you this morning. Thank you for listening to the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, today, we love you, Jesus. We love God that we are not leaning on a, just a promise that you said in the past, God, trying to figure out how it's true for us, but it's just as true. God, we're praying that you just remove the clouds over our minds that says to us, Lord, is it really true? God, we feel like Satan has come just like he did to Eve, Lord, in, in many ways and said, Has God said? Well, we're ready to say he has said. And we're certain that he's promised and his promises will come to pass. And not one thing that the Lord our God has promised has ever failed, but all will come to pass this day. Lord, your hand is not sure that it cannot save. And your ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. So Jesus, we're asking you to take us out of the way. Father, may we decrease that you may increase. Lord, we want to wait upon you. Father, we don't have to have a microwave answer, Lord, for our society right now. We have the answer already, but we don't need to see, Father, the physical evidence of it in a moment. God, we just know that we wait upon you. We will see the fullness of it. So God, bring us to yourself. Lord, lead us to the place we need right now. Not everything is bound by hopelessness. Lord, in many ways, we just now want to make the next step closer to You, Father. We want to grow in the grace of God. And we want to live in the realities of the divine love of Jesus. So, Lord, I want to praise You. I want to praise You, God. I want to thank You for it, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we give You glory. Oh, we're going to take communion, but I want to give an altar call moment before we take communion. I want you to empty your spirit of anything that's in the way of God. I want you to take time with the Lord. You can Just let the Lord have His way with you. And if after that, when we're done with that, we will take communion. We will take time before the Lord, but I want you to spend some time with Jesus this morning. Will you do that with me? Thank you, Jesus. So I'll invite those of the worship team who feel like they can. And if you feel like you need to spend time before the Lord, let's just wait before the Lord. Amen? Father, thank you. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus.